Hey everybody, welcome back to the Doctors of Running virtual roundtable where we three doctors of physical therapy discuss the art and the science of the stuff that we're putting on our feet. Today on the docket, we get to talk about the very highly anticipated Endorphin Pro from Saucony. Um, this is an exciting shoe, so we're excited to talk about it. And off the bat, I'm just going to say we had a ton of questions submitted. So, and they're all really good questions. And so we're going to do our best to get through as many as we can um, and be, uh, give as good of answers as we can. Some of them we might have to come back to at a later time if we run out of time. But first, let's just uh, dive right into some specs. We would normally kind of talk about our lives, but we got a lot to go cover today. So let's, yeah, let's jump right in. For a men's size nine, we're looking at 7.5 ounces. Um, and a women's size seven, you're looking at 6.3 ounces. This is an eight millimeter drop shoe, 35 and a half millimeters in the heel, 27 and a half millimeters in the forefoot. Uh, the midsole is made up there of their Power Run PB, which is a PIBA based foam. Um, they've integrated a carbon, full length carbon plate. Um, it's got an S shape to it, an S curve. Uh, that's sandwiched in there and it's got their speed roll technology that they have in the full endorphin line and then the upper is a thin uh, thin mesh there's no no layering really on it it's a single layer mesh the heel counter is very soft um, there's a little bit of structure but it's it's pretty much pretty much a soft heel counter um, and then a very thin tongue on the top as well okay Anything else you guys want to, oh, the rubber outsole is the same that's used in the other models. Um, and so it's a, a durable rubber on the outsole. So very cool. similar, looking, similar looking to the speed, but, but I, can, I think you guys can also attest to the fact that drastically different in terms of ride function and feel. So oh, very interesting. Completely. Talk about that. Yeah, I'm excited. That. That's one of, our, one of our fan questions to compare the two a little bit. So we'll definitely dig into that. But... Given all the questions we have, I think we should just start with our fan questions and just jump in. Yeah. So get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So our first question is from Brian Allen, uh, and his question is, why do all of these plated shoes, both nylon and carbon plates, and he's not just Reference, referencing the Endorphin Pro, mm -hmm. have such high stacks. Is the, his question is basically, is the high stack a necessary piece of the super shoe? Um, or why, why is that the case? So No, by the way, I don't think a high stack is necessary, as evidenced by this one. It just depends. Uh, Nathan, you mind if I take this one? Yeah, go. Yeah, take so, it away. Obviously, we're going to have to reference certain shoes like the Vaporfly and stuff like that, where this was the one that came out that had so much more stack height than any other racing shoe out there. This is very much influenced by the maximalist movement and what's going on right now where everybody wants more and more cushion. But the problem is there was more and more cushion with more weight. And so these foams, this is the first time where you have this much cushion and this little weight. The thought process behind this is trying to provide as much shock absorption as you can to supposedly reduce 
you know, fatigue over long, long distances. Um, people who know me and have read my stuff before, will, uh, more cushioning does not necessarily equal more shock absorption. It depends on the person. Hence why having a plate to stabilize is good. But um, yeah, that's a lot of these, these shoes are being influenced by that kind of thought process in that market trend right now. So does it necessarily have to have that much stack height? I don't think so. It really depends on the, on the model and the function, but that's the way things are. That's the market trend right now. Everything's got a lot of stack or almost everything. And I think, I think another piece of the, the theory behind it is if you have a high enough stack, you're functionally lengthening the limb. Yes. So if, yeah, you, have, if you have a longer limb that allows you to get a longer, um, a longer flight time, but, you know, right. you're, you're having a further stride with your, your current leg. You're just getting yeah. a little bit. Yeah. That's part of the theory too. Is you can yes. That's something that hasn't been addressed a lot in the research. Um, there's right. some other research that talks about that in terms of like longer limb length for more efficiency and speed, but nobody's done a lot of research on that component. And I, the most I've seen is actually in some of the more theoretical, like editorial studies talking about that, but not the research studies. That's a great point. Yeah. So that's also a component. David, you have any thoughts? Are we good on that one? I, I, there's more to talk about with it, I think. Yeah, but. yeah. Uh, just real quick, I think a lot of it too is also the trends of the market, like the whole maximum cushion as well. Um, but I think it's also the trend of the technology based as well. So we have this big boom of new foams out there that everyone's playing around with and trying to get the most responsiveness out of it while still protecting your legs for 26 miles, since racing flats are really popular right now for the marathon. And so... Yeah. It's not so much that it, the foam and the plate have to be together in this high stack height because there have been plates around for years. It's just now coming into the, the popular, you know, limelight. Right. And it's just happened to be mixed with this high stack height push for this new foam. So if anything, it's the foam, I think, that's progressing and the plate is along for the ride as right. far as I think technology is. I think that's very true. And also, again, you mentioned, again, the market part, you know, this is the first time ever that we're starting to see the average population be interested in racing shoes. Beforehand, that was yep. only a small group of elite that would wear these things because it was so close to the ground. It'd be like tougher than nail and experience to be able to handle this stuff. And now you're seeing like four or five hour marathoners buy racing flats. And that's the first time ever from some of the, um, the people I've gotten to talk to in marketing stuff. And they're like, Oh, people are for the first time ever interested in this stuff. And that's, it's cool. It's pretty cool to see yeah. that. But the average American, the average person typically wants a little more cushion. That's why those super awesome Japanese racing flats don't sell very well in the United States because people want more cushion. All of a sudden, that person, that individual, that, that person to market to wants that. So, of course, these companies are going to come out with more of that stuff. Yeah. Fortunately, I think there still are some options out there for people who want lower stack with a plate or stuff like that. So, that's coming. Yeah. So, here's – I'm going to – kind of jump around in my list of questions because yeah. I think this could be a good one. Matt, you kind of referenced uh, the desire for this higher stack, but it, that added too much weight. Um, but now we have these newer foams that are really yeah. lightweight. Uh, and Tim Coleman was asking, how is the durability? And I'm sure he's talking about a lot of different things in that, but what I think we, we could talk about is what do we know about the durability of PIBA-based foams in terms of deformation in comparison to the recently more popular EVA, and then before that, it was TPU, which was heavier. So if things have been getting lighter. What right. do we know about the durability of PIVA-based foams? 
I, it's not nearly as good, I think, in terms of its durability because since it gets to compress. However, David actually has my my pair of Endorphin Pro. So, David, yeah. you're running in the Pro right now. How does it feel? It feels pretty dang good. I don't know. Uh, I know this is going to allude later with other questions with the Vaporfly, but I don't feel like there's nearly not even close to as much deformation as far as the foam goes from a compression standpoint. Right. And the ride has maintained better, I think, over the miles. Um, I think that's a tricky question because I think I, I want to say that the Piba foam might not last quite as long, even though it has more pop, just because of that big rebound and constant compression, spring, compression, spring, over and over again loaded versus, say, like an EVA where it's got a little bit more structure to it, but it's more temperature dependent. And obviously, there's the other things that come along with right. it. Whereas but, TPU, TPU is like tougher than all heck, right? Like that stuff yeah. lasts through temperatures, it lasts forever. So again, it came back into play with Adidas and using their boost stuff because they managed to change a little bit. It's still heavy. Boost right. is still really, really heavy um, compared to something like, you know, Zoom X is the PBAX foam. Yeah. It's much lighter. Now people are getting a lot of miles out of these kinds of shoes. So the sole might deform, but it might be the fact that there's so much cushion there that they keep going. Right. So again, I think it depends. Yeah. It really, really depends on the individual and, again, the durometer of the, the sole. So the Piba foam in this is definitely firmer than the PBAX in, in uh, the Vaporfly. So I, I would say this shoe, this foam is going to last a heck of a lot longer. Um, the limiting factor might be the outsole just because there's so much exposed outsole here that uh, yeah. you can start chewing through that a little bit. But even after, I think, between David and I, that shoe has, like, what like 70 80 miles on it that's not too bad so yeah, yeah. they're pretty good durability wise yeah i can't durable. destroy them in 50 60 miles you know it's good this right. is where I, I wish we could bring on like a, a some kind of molecular chemist or yeah. you know engineer we, to yeah. talk about the the, yeah. the actual structure of these phones but well, i think the durometer right durometer will is one of the is the easiest way to say that is that refers to the the firmness and of the sole right and the density yeah. the density more so and that will really determine a lot of ride characteristics even between different phones you can change durometer yeah. eva of piba piba all that kind of stuff so the answer is it depends but some of this stuff is lasting pretty well yeah this yeah. one's the real deal out of eva yeah, I think I think between this and the, the the speed, I haven't I haven't noticed any change in the in the foam compound, and I think that's part part of the reason that a lot of these PIBA, high stack PIBA foams you have more you have more there to compress through over time, and then they a lot of times you are seeing plates in these shoes. Yeah, and I think plates help stabilize yeah. it too. They 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 within the foam they may help absorb some of that shock and compression right. and also split it between a top sole and a in a lower part of the midsole that mm -hmm. that's kind of sandwiching that plate right. so cool all right next question also has to do with stack height um this is from koopa dupe koop koop to dupe <laughs> sorry koop to dupe he or she is asking does higher stack lead to issues with instability and overpronation? That's a very complicated question. Yeah, um, yeah I think it almost it depends. Split that two questions almost. Yeah. So, does it increase overpronation? Well, we don't. We, the, the term overpronation you can't define that because we haven't determined what the difference between over and normal pronation is. So, does it does it in, does it potentially increase lateral motion? 
Yeah, it does. The higher stack you have, right? The higher this goes up, the more unstable the surface, unless you extend it, extend and widen the, the last, right? So Hoka does that really well where they've got a really tall, high stack height, but the last is super wide. So they compensate for that. These racing shoes that have the high stack height, but still the narrow last, you know, a lot of these ones do really well on the forefoot, right? Forefoot is super wide in the pro. There's a good amount of ground contact. It's great. The heel is where things get a little more troublesome. So people landing farther back might have a little more trouble with some of these higher stack height shoes just because, again, there's less material there, right? It's surface area. Less surface area, higher stack, it's going to be more unstable. So yeah. you've got to make sure that that you're working probably on that, that heel stability, ankle, that posterior ankle stability. People who land farther up should be okay. But for those who probably land a little farther back, may then have a little bit of stability issues. Like yeah. me. <laughs> uh, yeah, you might have to be a, a little more careful. But remember, pronation is not directly linked to injuries. Right. right. That has been hounded in the research over and over and over and over and over again, right? Ask any of the like big other names out there, Craig Payne, Simon Bartold, all those like all the like the OGs of this of the footwear stuff, Ben O'Neig, all those guys, they it's it's not connected. It's really person dependent. So will it could it increase the lateral motion in like either direction? Yeah, it could. Over pronation, supination, either direction. But yeah, I think I think there's an important difference. Even when we talk about in the stability of a shoe in our yeah. reviews, I think I think this has made me think. This question made me think about an important difference. There's a difference between there. There's an increase in force production around the ankle with a high stack shoe. Yeah. Whether or not creates instability depends on the person inside of the shoe right instability instability is a function of the person's ability to control motion right and a higher stack you know this is all it's just physics and so anyone right. who's done physics has heard about moment arms and yeah. so or lever arms and so yeah. if you increase a moment or a lever arm which happens with a high stack you're just increasing the distance between the force input and the and the rotational the fulcrum the rotational surface of the joint that is going to lead to a higher force that right. doesn't mean it's more unstable unless you can't control it right. so it's hard to say if something's more unstable across the board it just means there's going to be more force that you need to control and if you don't have that control which matt's talking about with increasing your lateral ankle stability right. that's where you can become yeah. unstable right and that's the challenge is a lot of the research keeps and the people and the companies claim, oh, these shoes, the, the carbon fiber plates, the design reduces load at the ankle, right? So, but you have to realize that that's, there's a very linear way of thinking. Yeah, a lot of these shoes do shift a lot more work up to the knee and hip, but that's, we're, that's only one plane of motion. You got to think about all the other directions that this can go, yeah. right? And then, yeah, they don't mention what, what Nathan said, when you increase the, the stack height of the shoe and there's a longer lever arm, there are forces they are not likely taking into account. So does this truly unload the ankle? I think it really depends. And probably I really, Nathan, jump on this because it also impairs your proprioception. You're going to have less, if you have less impact. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Right? So impact, load, those can be two different things. So Nathan, go for it. I'm excited. Well, okay. I'm actually mostly excited because our our guy here, Coop to Doop, has a second question. Yeah, and you're, you're just like segueing perfectly, and I was way okay. too excited. Um, he he or she was asking, does the endorphin line slash super shoes yeah add 
a loss of strength in the foot and ankle. Because you just mentioned they talk about, oh, they decreased the demand on the ankle. So he's asking, okay, if you're running these shoes all the time, are you going to get weaker? Because that's, a, because that's a great question. I'm actually doing research on that right now and trying to set up a study. And the initial stuff is we don't know. We don't know. It's the same. It's the old argument of like, does arch supports or orthotics, does that increase foot weakness? The answer is it depends and we don't, we don't know. And right? I think that some people, yeah, other people know. There's other research out both on knee braces and back braces, whether if it's oh, like one post-op yeah. ACL or, or just kind of back braces. Yeah or either whether it's a TLSO or right. yeah. a brace, where the muscle activation underneath these braces doesn't change whether or not you're wearing So um, they used to think, oh, if you, if you wear this back brace, you're going to rely on that, and then you won't have any core stability anymore because you're going to get weaker. They found that even when you have these braces that are meant to stabilize your state, I'm putting it in quote, air quotes, yeah. stabilize your spine, um, people are still activating those muscles. Right. So that we don't like Matt said, we don't know, but that could be happening at the foot where even if something is supposed to assist it, it doesn't mean that the muscles aren't activating. Right. right. And it really, it's going to get also depend on like, again, you're talking about not just at the foot, right? The hip, knee, ankle, right? How is your body shock absorbing? And if, are you, if you're wearing these shoes all the time, maybe, but most people aren't just going to run all their miles in a shoe like this. This is their special shoe and you're going to run in a more traditional shoe. So, and, and some people might still run barefoot. Like a lot of the pros are still are running in these on the roads. They're running in track spikes on the track. And so that variety I think is key. So is it really going to weaken your foot? We don't know enough yet. Probably not. If you're running in a variety of shoes, we'll probably be fine. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Cause you can, you can make a case for both sides. You definitely can. Yeah. yeah Cause it's like the more and more I think about it, the more I end up hopping on both sides and then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to fall in the middle. Right. But like, I think of like multi-planar stabilization, right? Like frontal plane transverse, making right. sure that we're able to control this locomotion and keep it in a linear pathway with still enough deviation in each plane so that you're still utilizing each joint to the capacity that you're right. supposed to use them to run. Right. And so you could make the case that it's easier on the ankle, easier on the calves, whatever. It shifts up to the hip and knee and ankle, you know, hip and knee. And then, but at the same time, you could make the argument that it stresses more proprioception, more lateral stability, more of the other things that have to be on in order for you to move. Right. So that is a very, yeah, that was a very loaded question. I, <laughs> it's tough. It's the answer yeah, is it depends. We're, not, we're not totally sure. And it may depend on a lot of other factors mm -hmm. outside of just the shoe. Right. Right. I so. think, I think the other, the other thing I was thinking about too is, you know, there, there's definitely a difference if you go from, well, Maybe I don't want to say anything too strongly, but it typically, if someone's going where they only run in a 12 millimeter drop shoe and then they go buy a zero drop shoe, typically, or that's going to start loading your calf musculature more, or even more important, like if you switch from rear foot to like forefoot striking, right. you're going to load your, your calf more. Does that mean that your calf was getting weaker when you were heel striking? I don't know. Or if you switch from, you know... So <laughs> it just might be different. different. I think you yeah. may not get weaker. It may just, it may just require that other things have to compensate and get stronger. So you may need stronger hip and knee musculature and you may not need as much of the ankle. Is it necessarily making you weaker? No, it may just be changing things. Yeah. So good, great question. But the answer is we don't know yet. And it's, I don't know yet. We'll have to see. Um, 
especially since especially since these super shoes their claims on on ankle stuff are less yeah. black and white than changing from forefoot to heel strike like we right. know that stuff very well the right. changes in those may not be as severe right that stuff right. still yeah right. next question here um we got to keep rolling we do this neil swims has neil swims has two questions okay. um let's let's do an easier one to start okay. this, we, we've been in the deep weeds so let's bring us out a little bit okay. um they're asking how does the sizing run how's the fit okay. uh David, go go first since you're wearing a half size up. Yeah, you know what's actually kind of funny is I'm starting to debate whether or not I'm actually a size ten. <laughs> uh, but I know I'm a nine and a half because if a shoe runs long, it works. If a shoe runs short, it works. But if it does not work that way for ten, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, but yeah, it actually fits me pretty well. <laughs> it's uh, the toe box. I mean, it's not super wide. It's wide enough to get shock absorption. Wide enough and, is the yeah key. Yeah, and then the midfoot is supportive enough. You know, it's it's not uh, super, super locked in, but it's just enough to kind of give you a little bit of a nice hold there without squeezing or leaving too much room. Mm -hmm. And the heel counter fits nicely for me. So... I don't know if that means it runs snug on you guys, but I, I actually found it to run like fairly true to size, if not just a teensy bit long. Um, but not like once I started running, I didn't notice that. That was walking around. Um, echoing David, um, shout out to Ian Griffiths and Craig Payne for mentioning that people don't talk enough about fit and uppers. We're going to talk about, talk about the upper. I love this upper. This thing fits really well. There is a little bit more room than something like the Vaporfly or some of those other shoes, just because it's so airy, it's so light. Um, my comment to Saucony is I have, like, I ran a couple of the other shoes. If you guys can make uppers this light, I know you can make your trainers uppers this light. They don't need to be that heavy. Come on, you guys. Um, this thing is, is money. I, the, yeah. there's no, like, there's a very light heel counter in here. It's very flexible. I had no issue there. It does make the heel fit a little more wide, so I did have to lock it down, but over a long miles, it feels fine. Um, but the fit is, is fairly true to size. I probably wouldn't suggest changing and there's enough flexibility in this that you, that'll accommodate for swelling well. So Definitely. that was pretty spot on. Yeah. I was going to echo that. I I've been, I've just loved the fit of all the endorphin line. Yeah. It, they, it's better than the speed for me. The speed was a tad bit narrow. This was like Goldilocks just right. Yeah. I, I love the upper on this way more than the speed. Yeah. That, that was just my, my take on it. I like the simple layer, single layer mesh of yeah, it. Nice. I would say the one part of the fit a little bit wide through the heel for me. Yeah. I, I had to really lock it down. It wasn't irritable with running at right. all, not it, but um, it wasn't like I would, it, it wasn't super locked in there. I had to, I had to tie it down to get my heel really adjusted there's there's an attached down it's great yeah attached tongue helps a little bit with such yeah. a thin tongue it doesn't move around or anything which was nice i think that this yeah i i thought this nail or this upper nailed it in terms of its breathability and i it does accommodate but it's it's also relatively like stiff and, and rigid like the high volume of the toe box yeah. helps with accommodating yeah. feet but the it's not going to scosh around like you're gonna be right, right. you're gonna yeah, be yeah. secure I, I never had that issue even turning tight corners it was totally fine i had total trust in this but yeah. so i would say definitely true to size though for me yep. i wouldn't yep. all right okay. next question all right and then neil swim's other question was does a 
does the carbon plate reduce cushioning and response? So this is kind of, let's talk about a little bit of, if I'm understanding this question right, Yeah. kind of talking about basics of carbon plates. You know, the idea, oh, if you put something so rigid and like you're putting metal in a shoe, like right. a carbon plate, like does that make something more yeah. firm or decrease the responsiveness of it? It depends because again, every, every plate that we've seen this far has been different, right? There's an S plate mm -hmm. in here. Skechers has a, the like H plate, even though it's a, it's a, the carbon coated, carbon fiber coated plate. Infused, uh, yeah. Infused, yeah. Um, this has a full length, super thick plate. But again, this stuff is so soft that I think it needs it. Um, I know uh, Asics, their Meta Racer only has it from like the forward aspect, if I remember correctly. Each one's totally different. Uh, the Carbon Rocket from Hoka has one that's more focused into the forefoot. So. Um, it totally depends on the design of it. I think the S shape works really, really well. I don't, I think there's a, it would, it stabilizes. Um, but the, where you put the plate is going to determine that more. I think to be honest, the Piba is already a little firmer anyway than the Zoom X. So I think a lot of what you're feeling in this is much more the foam than the actual carbon fiber plate until you get off the shoe. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, but it's but not I, taking away from what the foam is doing. No, say. not at all. Not at all. I think that was kind of his question. He's like, you throw yeah. a plate into a nice foam, like, does that take away? Like, if you put it in between the Hyperburst foam and the Skechers, would that ruin the, would that ruin the Hyperburst? Um, no, I, I mean, the Skechers Speed Elite is my favorite one, so I don't, I don't think so, but I'm, I'm biased because I think it, it gives me forefoot stability, so... Um, I don't think so. I don't think it... Well, I think it enhances it. I don't think it makes it worse but it def i think it does change it but not enough to take away from the properties of the foam cool especially in so much stack height with with these yeah. right lower to the ground might do that right like the speed elite versus the razor three those are very different rise right but for so much yeah. stack height in these not as much what do you guys think right, next next question right, is going to be you going? yes okay. or no. yes or no question from you guys okay or from, from everybody um, from Chuan Tan, can it keep the legs fresh after 42K? Yes. If you've, run the, you've run the longest and fastest. I think I've run the longest in these. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, David's done a phenomenal half in these I, uh, as a time trial. When <laughs> I first picked these up at the, the U.S. Olympic trials, I ran like 19 miles watching my fiance jogging back and forth and doing a fart lick and then ran another like four or five miles searching for crutches for her after the race, like a few hours later. So, Damn. and I felt fine. The next day, I, I, my legs felt awesome. So the answer is yes. Just if you're asking for that same sensation from the Vaporfly, it's different. Yeah. It's not the so, same, but I think it that does. Was the, that might have been the longest yes I've ever heard. For a yes <laughs> you guys know I like have a long-winded answer. Ask my students. Like they're like, I know. Are you gonna shut up now? I just want to say that if you do a course that's over thirteen and a half miles with eight hundred and fifty feet of elevation gain and tight turns everywhere, that's not a time trial. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hilly time trial. So um, you run about eight minutes faster. That's that's okay. Uh, I'm going to pull a little bit of a Matt Klein. My answer is going to be yes, but a shoe won't get you 42K. No. I think everyone that. The yeah, person, you yeah, got the person. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, next question is from Jackie Rose. Is this shoe good for hills? 
going up and down hills. What do you guys think? David, David what? This first. Yeah, so that was like my whole testing process, essentially. I mean, we already know it's a great shoe for road and running fast in like a linear way. So I wanted to get some elevation gains, some tight turns, really test it out. And it was great. I mean, I felt like with the with the Vaporfly specifically, the P-Backs is so spongy that like, I felt like I was sinking a little bit going up the hill. But with the P-Bub-based foam and the Endorphin Pro, it's a little bit more firm and you can kind of feel the plate a little bit more. So like you get more responsiveness going up the hill and you have just enough cushion going down that even if you're like hammering down, it's enough to keep keep your legs okay. So I honestly thought, you know, up, down, side to side, it was great. Both, both David and I live in fairly hilly areas. So most of my workouts in these have been on the hills and I've done a ton of hill repeats in these and they do great. Um, probably better than most of the stuff that I've then like the super cushion, other super cushion models, including that, like even the super firm Hyperion elite that she was just so stiff. It just didn't, this one does really well um, yeah. for that because it's got just the right, it's like the Goldilocks. I think the S plate and speed roll design of it helped with that yeah. kind of, you're feeling propulsive uphill. I thought, I thought that was, I felt that when I was going. Yeah. The hills by me are not, uh, not scary hills, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um, all right. So I think this is the question that probably everyone actually wants to hear us talk about. And we've alluded to it a lot so far. Um, we got a lot of comparison questions asked. We're going to start with this one. Um, Ian Griffiths, uh, our guy there, he asks, is this shoe legit competition for the Nike Vaporfly? Let's, let's go. Let's talk about it a little bit. I think this is a good opportunity to talk about what the ride of this shoe feels like uh, again. But what do you guys think? Legit competition? Yes. Yes, definitely. It's different. It's a different shoe but it is very much competition for the Vaporfly. Okay, I'm gonna, di I'm gonna just jump in really quick. This is, I have not ran in the Vaporfly, so I can't really comment much on this one. The one thing I can say though, is I think the research that was done by Saucony with this shoe shows that it is competition for the Vaporfly. Not necessarily because of the um, percent of economy improvement that the shoe might give, but I think they basically showed that each person is gonna have a different uh, amount of benefit from a different durometer of shoe. Right. So not every person that puts on the Nike Vaporfly is going to get 4% of improved running economy. Um, and the same is going to be true for different people throwing on the Endorphin Pro versus the Endorphin Shift versus all these shoes. Their research basically showed that it's so person dependent. Yeah. Who's going to get the most benefit from the shoe? It depends. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, you don't, we don't really know unless you go into a lab and <laughs> get VO2 tested or something in all of these different shoes. Um, so I think it is legit competition because they've shown the same, some of the same benefits as the Vaporfly. Uh, but like Matt said, it's different. Yeah. 
not as uh, not as bouncy, not quite as plush, but it's still very plush. Don't get me wrong; it's very cushioned. It's just not as bouncy. Um, but sorry, I got a little notification there on the screen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uploaded, so we have enough. I upgraded Zoom, so we have enough time. Yeah, I saw that. That's why I was like sidetracked. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different. It's it's very momentous is the way that I would say it. And it's it's different than the Vaporfly in that way that they made this speed roll technology and this S-shaped plate. And it's just very, very smooth and very fluid. And you still get a pretty good toe-off there, a pretty responsive toe-off. And so honestly, in my personal opinion, this works better for me than the Vaporfly does because I find myself kind of bouncing. I don't really like the hills in the Vaporfly. I live in a hilly area, so if I train in hills constantly, you know, I, I need, I like having a little bit more of that kind of ground contact and nice, you know, feel. Speed roll. I, I fully agree with David on that one, that, that to me, my mechanics, I, I'm the stability guy of the group. I need a, a little more firm, a little more close to the ground. And the, honestly, the Vaporfly works well for me on downhill, and that's about it. On flat and uphill, it just doesn't work with my mechanics at all. Whereas this one, because of the slightly firmer Piba, the, the way the plate is set up, the design of the shoe just works better for me than the Vaporfly. Um, just, and it, it just does, just because of those components. Let's say the other thing that makes it a competitor is it's 50 bucks cheaper. That is, I mean, kudos to Saucony for doing like, not going above 200, because the number of shoes yeah. that go to like 250, is just un it's unacceptable, right? Especially ones that don't deserve to be there. Yeah, so right. I think that's pretty sweet. Right. Okay, uh, we have two other comparison questions. Um, the next one, three people, I feel like we need to talk about it, because three people asked. Yeah. Brian Allen, Niall Clements, Adam Levy, all asked us to compare this to the Speed Elite, Skechers Speed Elite. <laughs> Very different shoe. Very different shoes. And like, I love them both. <laughs> I yeah. Somebody else go go before me because they're you guys are gonna have to know that I am obviously biased. But we kind of talked about this last yeah. week with our yeah. with our endorphin speed. Some of the differences are, or some of the comparison is similar. You know, it's a it's a different shoe. It's much higher stack. It's a full length plate, which gives you a different feel through the heel. Um, speed Elite is significantly lighter mm -hmm. and can hit those. Almost. Top paces, like five five k paces, ten right. k paces, without a problem. I'd say the the pro is not quite. I mean, I hit my five k pace in these in some of the workouts in the I, in the endorphin pro, but I wouldn't want to hang out there. <laughs> that that wasn't you know it That's wasn't my purpose. It, no, it, it's it there, but it's meant for those longer distances, like Nathan yeah. said. Yeah. Um, the plates are all the plates and the rides are very different, right? Hyper is very different than than the Piba, the Power Run Piba. Um, yeah. The plate too, right? Because like for me personally, the the Speed Elite works better because of the extended plate out there it gives me forefoot stability, which I like and I usually need uh, in a shoe. So and being close to the ground, as somebody who likes a close to the ground ride, a little bit lower drop, this shoe is going to work better for somebody that's okay with a not too high, but a little higher drop, a little higher stack the pro might, might be more in your wheelhouse. Yeah. So that's the nice thing is there's something for everybody out there right yeah. now. Yeah. And then just to piggyback off of all of that, I mean, yeah. everything you guys just said, but I would also say the lower stack, lower to the ground, lighter shoe, 
I think the toe spring's a little bit more involved, a little bit more rigid. So mm. you're going to get a little bit more of an aggressive ride in the Speed Elite. In the Speed Elite. It's yeah. by, but it's by no means too aggressive. But I mean, it's just comparing Pro to Speed Elite, it's, you're going to get more of that toe spring, harder, snappy toe off. Um, so uh, yeah. someone asked about 5K, 10K. I probably, yeah, I'd go Speed Elite, 5K, 10K. Uh, half marathon is going to be a gamble depending on the runner. Marathon, I'm probably going to take these guys, but yeah. I don't know. I was planning on running a marathon in the Speed Elite, so I don't know. I would say I would say another difference between from you know from my perspective, the Endorphin Pro is more versatile than the Speed Elite for potentially some training miles. I feel like when I go in the Speed Elite, I need to run fast. I can I said in, in our review in that that I can go slower, and I still stand by that. But I think I can I can go even slower in like training miles because like my marathon pace. If I wanted to try to do a marathon, which I don't know if I could even run it right now, but if I wanted to try to run one, I'd probably try to run like 7.30 pace. And I think that I, I could do that more easily in the pro versus the speed elite. I think the speed elite, I would want to run faster. Right. It is a more aggressive shoe and the increased stack height, right, goes with the the uh, current trend of the market and why people are more interested in these kind of shoes now is because most people, a lot of people seem to think that they need more cushions. So that's going to fit in line with a shoe like yeah. this. Okay. Last comparison question. Tim Coleman's wondering if we can, could compare it to the endorphin speed, which I think is a great question because people that's are probably, question. which one, yeah. which one should I buy? You know? Yeah. It, it depends totally on what you're looking for. The endorphin speed is a great shoe. It's just not nearly as aggressive as the Endorphin Pro. Uh, despite the similar look, despite the fairly similar like specs, actually, specs. right? Like it's only like 0.3 ounce difference. The stack height's not that much different. The, the speed is not nearly as aggressive as the Pro, right? Every aspect of it, whether it's the kind of like the, the ride, the plate, the speed roll is all more aggressive in in the endorphin pro Definitely. so if you need if you are worried that a shoe like this is just might be a little too aggressive for you then the speed is going to be a better option for you but if you're looking for the lightest snappiest kind of one of the of the duo the pro is is by far this is the racing one this yeah. is the racing shoe just I think then, I, I whereas the speed is the, the technically the lightweight trainer, but a lot of people are going to do super well racing. Yeah. K to half to full. It's only a 0 0.3 ounce difference. Yeah. So it's, it's not, not much. Yeah. But it's how much it's like a 20, no $40 difference. Yes. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. It's 160 for this. Yeah. So speed for 160 with the tech that you're getting the, the, the pro the speed is pretty good too. Yeah. The one, the one thing I really did notice was, um, you know, maybe and you guys should speak to this too, because this could yeah. have been a personal, personal feel thing. But um, I mentioned this in my review of the, of the speed. The heel, heel felt really unstable to me. And there's actually, there's a different step in feel of the way that the midsole was, was yeah. made up the speed, where there was a little piece on the, on the inside that kind of pushed up into my foot. Um, I didn't feel that in the, the pro and when I was doing heel strike, I felt a lot more um, stable personally in the pro versus the speed. And I don't know if that's the, the fact that there's a carbon plate versus a nylon plate that has more flexibility. 
that's kind of where my brain was at. Yep. But do you guys have a similar experience of stability? I had the yeah. same experience where I really couldn't handle running too long in the speed just because it was too unstable yep. for me, where the heel just felt way less stable. Um, yep. It also didn't feel as smooth as a fellow heel striker a lot of the time. Like the, the landing in the pro feels a lot smoother at the rear than, it does. than the speed. David, what do you think? I disagree about the fluidity and the smoothness. Not okay. that the speed is more smooth. I think they're just they're both equal in their own way. Okay. Uh, be, sure. Being a, a midfoot, forefoot, more oriented striker, um, I noticed more the nylon plate stiffness in that forefoot, and I think it's kind of great because that's the research that Saucony was looking into and to begin with, and the optimal amount of stiffness in the forefoot in terms of propelling gait, and. Um, I found that they were both very smooth, but I had a much more snappy toe off in the endorphin pro. That does not mean that the endorphin speed was not responsive. It was still very responsive. Um, I mean, I was still able to run fast in that shoe. It's almost kind of like looking, if we go to another company, almost like Skechers with the Speed Elite versus the Razor 3 Hyper, right. where one's a much more flexible toe spring it's still present but it's much more flexible much more flimsy you put a little more umph into it to keep going but you can still run super fast in it right and whereas and then like the speed elite and the endorphin pro are both the carbon plated shoes that have more forefoot stiffness a little bit more involved toe spring a little bit more of that rapid kind of toe off and snappy push off you know that you're looking for in a racing shoe but not everybody likes that right so if if you don't really like that aggressive racing feel um, the speed might actually be a pretty good option, and it's it's almost the same weight. I mean, it's 0.3 ounces difference in the yeah. same size. So it that does speak to what the the research that they did is that yeah. there's an, like you said, there's an optimal stiffness that each person needs. So maybe we shouldn't be thinking about not one's not better than the other. It's just going to work for different people, right? So if you if you figure out that these super stiff plates don't work as well for you, but you still want something snappy. The, and you want to try something from the endorphin line, definitely go for the speed because the nylon plate is still good. It's just going to be a less aggressive and it may work with your mechanics better, right? Because the stiffer a shoe is doesn't mean you're going to run faster. You have to find right. what works with your body. Because yep. even in the Vaporfly studies, they even though they said 4%, that was an average. Yeah. Because right. they had some people who had like a 10% improvement and some people had a massive negative change. So yep. it just depends. I think the other the other comp between those two, I found um, the the speed felt bouncier than the pro for me, which mm. maybe Matt, that's what you're talking with. The yeah, like, I, like, I felt like yeah. the pro for me was like like smoother, like but not as not as mini trampoliney. Right. That I, that's not a great term, but mini trampoline. No, I think that's actually that's that's a great way. This this shoe is definitely smooth and like you're rolling better. You get that definite speed roll. And I don't know and if this is by difference. Maybe why David didn't feel it, because it was all in the heel for me. You know, I felt yeah. like the heel was, again, a little bit more stable, not as, like, throw me off of it, whereas the speed is more bouncy. So yeah. if you like that bouncy ride, I think the speed has that in the heel. Um, that's where I was feeling the difference. Yeah. I will say, stability-wise, though, I felt the same thing in the forefoot. Okay. Where I felt more unstable in the speed, where I, yeah. I went out to say that I don't trust it in dirt or grass. Whereas, look how white these are. You're not supposed to run on the dirt with these. <laughs> I, I know, I understand, but I'm just saying, if I had to change terrain, I'd be a little nervous. 
But in the, in the pro though, like that carbon fiber plate's a little bit more stiffer. I felt like I had a little bit more of a push and like a, almost like a little bit of a ground feel, like a cooling yeah. position. And I felt like if I had to, I could. I think you have a passion for grass workouts. You just like, you want to take every shoe on the grass. You do. It's not supposed to do that. You're going to roll your ankle. With my injury <laughs> history, I got to like <laughs> soften a little bit. Do whatever you can. All right. We're going to jump into our kind of our final segment. Um, it's if this shoe were a blank, what, what would it be? Did Dave, David, do we have, we have unlimited time now on Zoom, so we don't have to worry about this. David, yeah. did you want to ask some of those questions as well? Or Nathan, do we want to jump to the end? What do you guys think? One of the what? I think we got all the questions. Do we get them? Do we, David? We did you have some more? We hit them all. David asked him. Yeah. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. We hit him. What happens when I, you do this live? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I just want to keep talking. We're creating an authentic community here. You know, we're not going to edit this out. All right. Uh, this is the segment submitted by Michael Ellenberger. Ah. Esper guy. We like him. He's over at Road Trail Run. Um. He had a great suggestion. He said, if this shoe were a breed of dog, what would it be? And you guys, if you've watched the other ones, Matt actually has an answer. So he's I actually am prepared. I'm not improvising on the spot in a subject I don't know because you're asking me animal breeds. So, oh, I so he know this. Had, in his podcast, he had to assign each of us a role. Uh, he had to give somebody Michael Jordan, somebody Scottie Pippen, and someone Dennis Rodman. And he didn't know... He knew kind of who they were, but he didn't really know them. So, I know Michael. I know Michael Jordan really well. I met him, but like the other ones, I was like, I know the name. I know Dennis Rodman. I know Scottie Pippen, but I'm sorry, I don't know enough about them. Right? I come from Portland, Oregon. While I was in Portland, the Blazers were a disappointment, so I stopped watching basketball. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. So I actually have an answer if it involves animals. So that that's or pizza or food. So we're good. But you can you can refer to me as Dennis Rodman now. Okay. So. Apparently, yes. <laughs> Go listen to my interview with on Podchat Live if you want to hear me fumble up uh, basketball players uh, with uh, Anthony and Griffiths. Funny boy, Scotty. It's just funny, Matt, that you messaged us and you're like, you guys, don't, don't, don't take, judge me. So you don't judge me for comparing you. I didn't know the answer. But anyway, so if this shoe, if, if the Endorphin uh, Pro was a dog breed, what would it be? Matt, you're going first. I'm going first. If uh, I would have to say, if this was a dog breed, it would be a husky. Um, it's made to run, right? The huskies are running dogs. This is made made to go. It can go long, right? There with the, the I did around that kind of stuff. They can they can move for long periods of time. They can definitely move fast. They're not the fastest dogs, right? They're they're very nice. They're friendly. They're super cool. Uh, I don't know how to make the reference that they dig everywhere, but you gotta you gotta take them moving, and I think that's why the shoe reminds me of a Siberian husky. I like that. Yeah, David, you can go next. Answer ever. So my number one was Siberian husky. So we're, we're right on the money there together, because that was actually my thought process too. Is they can go forever. They are yeah. fast, but they're not quite the fastest. They're not right. like a greyhound or something. So, um, yeah, well, they're really comfortable. They're nice. They're nice dogs, right? They're really comfortable and they're nice, like soft yeah. and they're fun. And yeah, well, you get them mad, but <laughs> that, that, that experience pissed <laughs> dogs off. But I, ha I do have another one. So this, okay. one's, this one's more about the mentality of the market and the people following this shoe as well. 
So this is not so much the shoe, and this is this is a good thing. Okay. Okay. Normally, normally when we use the word herding mentality, everyone kind of is the sheep, right, and follows along with things and follows the hype and whatnot. This shoe is actually, I think, one of the few shoes I think that is worth the hype for the most part. Um, but with it being a hype, like with it being like a herding kind of mentality of everyone loving the shoe and waiting for the shoe to drop. I'm going to go with a dog that likes to herd. And so I'm going to go with the Border Collie. All right. A very lively, fun dog, lots of energy, and loves to kind of lead the way. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So the, but the, see, yeah, you're right. It's the, the, border, the border Collie is actually leading now and yeah. helping take the herd. So that's interesting. That's a good – I like good it. Call. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different take on it, and I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. All right, Nathan, let's go. You're in my yeah, – when I, when I first like thought, I was like, I initially thought like something like I, I, my brain jumped Greyhound and it wasn't because, and then I was like, no, it's not because it's not a sprinting shoe. Okay. Right. So then I quickly tossed it out, but I did like the idea of how they're pretty smooth. Like they don't have a huge, you know, they're not going up and down. They, they keep their plane, but that's not what I chose. Um, mine is the um, German short haired pointer. Oh, geez. Yeah, so <laughs> this, it's pretty similar to Matt's rationale. Yeah. I wanted to choose a, I, I knew that point, so this, this type of pointer also can run a long time. Like 10 mile runs are no problem for this dog. Um, they also are like very much social dogs and need to be really active. So um, I think that this shoe is probably one of the few, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, one of the few um, elite marathon racing shoes that's going to be able to to be with the masses. Like, I think that this is going to be suitable for a lot of people, kind of how the Vaporfly has done that, where it's gone from just being for the elites to kind of servicing every type of runner. I think this shoe can do that too. So the kind of the being with, with people uh, mentality of this dog, plus it can run really far. But here's a quote about this dog. Um, this is from Brian Berea, who's the founder of DC Dog Runner. I don't know what that is, but I like his quote. So um, I'm citing my source, and I hope it's not a bad one. But he, this is what he said. He said, they are quick, durable runners that have a good top speed, but also have the build to sustain high mileages. And I was just like, that's it. That That's like kind of where the shoe's at. Pretty Plus, good. the pointer is the mascot for UW Stevens Point, which is where I live. So <laughs> Now the truth comes out. The, the truth comes out. out. Really, I just want to give a little, another shout-out to Wisconsin of yeah, some kind. UW system. <laughs> Go Badgers. All right, we're going to move on before David and Nathan start fighting over this. So. See, I'm holding back. I'm holding back. Good, good. Get the discretion, I'm David. Trying to, I'm trying to good. play nice right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's. <laughs> but that's everything. Do you guys have anything else you want to add? Otherwise, I'll close this out. Um, I think this is a, is, it's a very – it's unique from what's come out so far. Every shoe has been so different. And I think this really, among the high stack height ones – really has done a phenomenal job of being a balance of everything that you would need. And I think this does live up to the hype. And I think this will be a better, it will, it may possibly be better for a larger number of people than something like the Vaporfly, given the balance of cushioning. It's not super unstable. It is super smooth. It can handle a variety of paces. 
and yeah, I think it's it's well worth checking out. It's a very interesting shoe. It's very unique. And uh, yeah, it was pretty exciting to be able to test this out. And we appreciate Saucony sending us some pairs. Yeah. What I will say on the air is St. Mary's beat Wisconsin in basketball last season. So for being a four seed and being the almighty Big Ten, you know, champ over there. All right. I guess we're going out on the <laughs> I mean, okay. Oh. No, we don't, we don't need we're to go. We're recording. So. I know, I know. Okay. All right. I purchased the, the upgrade for this so we can keep going, not to argue about sports teams. So come on. So the, that's our thoughts on the art and science of the. No, but my, <laughs> I do need. I do need to say. Nathan, I do need to say that the Badger one one loss doesn't define a season. The Badgers came back, won eight straight, ended up sharing the the Big Ten regular season title, which is probably the biggest thing you could win last year since everything else was canceled. All right, there. The end. David, you do you have anything to say about the shoe? <laughs> No, uh, great job, Saucony. I mean, it's an ev- we like to be an evidence-based practice and do everything that we can to support what we do with research and with a strong foundation of empirical evidence. And yeah. I, I really respect Saucony for putting so much work into this and making it also so public at the same time and not yeah. hiding behind things and then just dropping something, like saying, this yeah. is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it. Uh, and all of our athletes, they're going to be a public figurehead of this entire process until we finalize it and make it right. So I just want to say thank you to the company for doing that, even though they did not give me my pair of shoes. But <laughs> it is, I would like, yeah, I would like to second that. It is nice to see public research rather yeah. than independent companies have independent sources having to go do the research. The company itself going, hey, we're going to sponsor this, and we're actually going to share this information. That's, I mean, that's what research is all about, right? I know, I understand that these are, you know, companies and these are products and there's marketing and all this kind of stuff involved. But from the research standpoint, especially from an honesty standpoint, it is really nice to have this information out here rather than having it shrouded in secretly, secrecy and hiding things. And, yeah. you know, I'm not naming names, but it's it's just nice to have this stuff public so we can all learn. And again, that's the whole point mm-hmm. of this website that we have is to share information and help people think about what they're putting on their feet and what what this stuff really means. Because there's a lot of marketing out there that doesn't apply to every person or may not apply at all. So again, kudos to actually sharing that research and uh, trying to make the whole industry better, which is great. So thank you. Yeah, great. So there's our thoughts on the art and the science behind putting the Saucony Endorphin Pro on your feet. Um, make sure to check us out. <laughs> David, put the shoe up. Not your shirt. <laughs> make sure to check In terms of the running community, together we are giant. Go Giants, Buster Posey. Keep going. <laughs> make sure you check out uh, our stuff on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and check out our website at docsofrunning.com for all of our reviews and rehab-related articles. Um, we're also going to be putting together all of this stuff onto podcast platforms, so if you follow us on our media page and subscribe to us below on our YouTube channel, we'll, we'll keep people updated once we get that going. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to next time. All right. Thank you guys for the questions, too. Please keep those coming. We enjoy answering those. It definitely uh, It's cool to realize how many people are, are listening and engaging. So thank Completely. you.